There is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the story. Frank Herbert. Hello and welcome back to the Turn Right Podcast. This is episode 110, How to Write a Satisfying Ending. Now, this is not necessarily the ending people want, but one that satisfies the purpose and production of the story. I've been thinking a lot about writing an ending as I am approaching what I hope is um, you know, the final draft of this novel that I've been working on. Now, I still may be editing it, but as far as adding or subtracting things to the story, I really hope this is like the ending of that. Um, but I still may be doing, you know, line edits, little cuts here and there, things like that. You guys get the point. I don't need to ramble. I really want to make sure I'm executing this ending in a way that fulfills my story's purpose. So um, I've been thinking, doing some research, and I've come up with six things that are crucial to writing a satisfying ending. So let's get into this week's episode. Also, if you're not already following us on Twitter and subscribed to this podcast, then what are you waiting for? Subscribing is absolutely free, and then you'll be notified every time we upload an episode. Number one, loose ends should be gradually wrapped up. No info dumping. Just as you don't want to info dump in the first few chapters of your story, you don't want to quickly tie up the story in like, you know, one long paragraph that's like, he did this, he did that, he did that, he did that. And, you know, you're just kind of rambling and just dumping all of this information onto the reader. It's going to be horribly unsatisfying if you do that. Instead, you want to reveal the ending slowly. You know, once you hit that third plot point, then really the little pieces of your ending should be revealed bit by bit. For example, before the final moment in the train station, whenever Harry is battling Lord Voldemort and trying to defeat him, we learn a lot of different things that wrap up the novel. Um, we learn from about Dumbledore's brother and the narrative that goes along with Dumbledore. We see Neville kill Nagini, and that part gets wrapped up. We hear Snape's thoughts, and we see why Dumbledore truly died. Um, but all of that is not revealed in like the last few pages of the story. It's revealed leading up to that point. So you really need to show your reader the ending and um, make it as detailed as the rest of your story is. Number two. The ending should be consistent with the theme of the book, even if there is a twist. I find this being the most problematic in thrillers because I feel like sometimes authors in that genre just really want a big shock to the system and instead they don't think about how it aligns with the rest of the story, which I think can be not satisfying. Harry Potter, very consistent ending with the theme of the story. The good person wins, he defeats, he defeats Voldemort and... You know, we kind of expected and rooted for it and wanted that ending. We questioned it at times, but it did happen. Gatsby dies and the illusion of the American dream also dies. Again, another great ending that's consistent with the theme of the perversion of the American dream. You know, if Gatsby had lived and won Daisy back, that would not be a very consistent ending with what F. Scott Fitzgerald was trying to say through his novel. Now, here's an ending that I think was... A little bit unsatisfying, not horribly unsatisfying, but I feel like this one was a little bit not consistent. And again, it was 
in the romance thriller genre, so more of a popular category than, let's say, literary fiction. In Verity, she has been faking injuries. Um, that's the ending. That's the twist. Verity was not actually disabled by this car accident. Um, and I think we were expecting that. That wasn't really the twist. That was kind of foreshadowed by what Lowen was figuring out throughout the story. But the twist is that, trigger warning if you haven't already read the book, um, Jeremy kills Verity, which is very shocking and it's definitely a huge twist, but I think that's really out of character for Jeremy. Jeremy loved Verity so much. He loved his family, and he's just not the kind of guy that really strikes me as a murderer. So for me, I was kind of like, mm, I feel like that doesn't really line up with the narrative that had been pushed thus far. Number three, the ending should leave you wanting more. Yes, you want to wrap up all major plot points. We should have a general idea about what is happening to each character. And, you know, the main conflict should have some sort of resolution, even if it's ambiguous. But I don't think you want to tie up every little thing. It's kind of nice to leave the reader um, with their imagination to kind of imagine more and keep wanting more. I think this will drum up demand for your next novels. It also leaves you the possibility of creating a sequel or doing a spin-off character like something that Taylor Jenkins Reid does. She, you know, took a character from Malibu Rising, Carrie Soto, and created a whole other book about her. So it really leaves you a lot of different avenues to go with your work. And I also think it just shows you that you trust the reader to kind of imagine what the rest of the story looks like for those characters. As John Green once said, books belong to their readers. Honestly, Harry Potter was a pretty ambiguous ending, not counting really the epilogue part. Um, and I think that enabled J.K. Rowling to, you know, go off and create Fantastic Beasts and do different things like that. Um, but I think the best ambiguous ending was In The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. I did a whole episode analyzing that story so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I think that was a great ending because Offord was, you know, going into this car and you really have no idea, is she being saved or is she walking to her doom? And again, there's an epilogue that kind of explains that further, but if you're looking at the pure ending of the story, it's very ambiguous. Number four, the ending should be foreshadowed, even if not explicitly obvious. You definitely want to leave clues um, within the story for your reader. I just recently finished reading The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, and I think it was so interesting. Um, you know, I picked up on Julian being named after Vianne and Isabel's father right away, but it wasn't until about like 90% through the book that I was like, oh dang, that Julian is, is the baby that she had with the Nazi. And I thought that was like so expertly woven in there because obviously um, Vianne's son, Julian, was introduced to us like in the first few chapters of the story as this grown adult whenever the story is told from flashback. And, you know, it's very, it's very expertly and discreetly done, the connection between, you know, him being born to the Nazi and present-day Dr. Julian. So I thought that was a great example of foreshadowing um, and wrapping up an ending in a satisfying way. I also think The Silent Patient did an 
extremely great job of foreshadowing the ending that one really got me i had no idea i was so blind to the fact that um i forget the characters names now but uh the main character alicia her husband was fooling around with the psychotherapist's wife and that was just so expertly done i feel like alex mike ladies really pulled the wool over my eyes there but then at the end it was like poof everything made sense and that's really really satisfying whenever you can look back throughout the story and like make all those connections after the fact and realize how brilliant the author really was um so i love that kind of foreshadowing and how that wraps up an ending very satisfying number five contrastingly the ending should not be obvious we don't want to see the ending coming a mile away and you might be like, Caitlin, why are you giving this advice? Like, duh, the ending shouldn't be obvious. Duh. And I'm giving this advice because I actually think I've read a lot of popular fiction where the endings of the story were really, really obvious. For example, The Last Mrs. Parrish. I was not fooled really at all by that ending. And so many people love that book. And, you know, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. But I just thought the ending was really obvious. And I think there's other books out there like that as well. So if we see the ending coming a mile away, we might stop reading um, because we lose interest. And that's the number one thing you don't want your reader to do. You don't want your reader to stop reading your book. Number six, no new information should be presented to the reader at the ending of the story. It's a wrap up. Um, you know, you don't want to mention a random character that we've never met before. And again, this may seem kind of obvious, but I think to newer writers, it's not always obvious. The ending is really a wrap-up, an explanation of the groundwork that was already laid throughout the book. Also, this can reveal a plot hole in your story. If you feel like you have to introduce new information to explain the ending of the story, I think that's a big sign that you might need to go back and edit and work some things in. That kind of happened to me with my first draft of my current novel. I realized things weren't adding up and I wasn't giving my reader enough information prior. So those are six ways to write a satisfying ending. Let me know what you thought of this episode by leaving us a comment um, wherever you listen to podcasts or on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying. And I'll talk to you on our next road trip.